Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Evan Roberts Podcast. Backlash retrospective. I got to tell you, Backlash has always been secretly one of my favorite B-level WWE pay-per-views. And that's why I am ecstatic that we have brought back the official retrospectiver of the Evan Roberts podcast, the host of his very own podcast, aptly named Dennis has a podcast, Dennis Holden, to come back as we reminisce on all the main events in Backlash history. Dennis, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Evan, thanks for having me. How you doing, my man? I'm, I'm excellent. Now, look, forget about this year's Backlash. Forget about them building up the greatest wrestling <laughs> match of all time. I have always been a big fan of Backlash for this reason, before we go through each main event. It was always the follow-up to WrestleMania. And WrestleMania is the granddaddy of them all. You got the Raw after WrestleMania, which kind of sets the tone for where you're going next. And Backlash was always that pay-per-view right after WrestleMania. That's the way it was for a long time. Unfortunately, now, for some freaking reason, Dennis, they have Backlash in the middle of June. And I ask the question... What the hell is the backlash to if it's in the middle of June? <laughs> when when they brought it back in September 2016, they brought it back in September as a SmackDown pay-per-view. And I'm like, all right, you know what? I always like backlash. It's like, you know, I, you always wonder why some of these, as you say, B-level pay-per-views kind of go away. Uh, so when they brought it back in September, it really didn't make a ton of sense. Uh, and now, uh, the last couple of years, it was in, in May, which, again, is not immediately after WrestleMania, right? So it's just one of those things where, where does it fall in the calendar, and what is a backlash to? 100%. Thank you. Thank you. Because you'll see as we go through, especially the early days of backlash, it made sense. It was the backlash to WrestleMania. In fact, there's a lot of WrestleMania rematches that you see at backlash. You'll see that as a common trend. They, they sent it away after 2009, which never made sense to me. You mentioned they brought it back in September of 2016. I sort of got it because I figured, okay, this is the backlash to SummerSlam now. Hmm. So they're going with that, that, hey, this is the reaction to the biggest event of the summer. But then in 2017, they decide to move it to May, and then they didn't even have it in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. So it's kind of been all over the place. I'm glad the name is back. But I would prefer it go back to the month of April and serve as the true backlash to WrestleMania. Especially, when, 
especially when you're at a time where they're not like building the sets, going back and watching all of these these backlashes or backlash I I don't know what the the plural of backlash is, uh, <laughs> but like you have the swinging like gauntlets and like all these different like th- these these B level pay per views had a, a particular set now really like money in the bank has ladders and really other than that it's pretty pretty universal with these set designs so it, it it's really the only thing that sets these pay-per-views or these special events apart are the name yeah no you're right and you're gonna notice as we go through each main event in backlash history that the wwe kind of had these runs of ideas that they stuck with for backlash in fact Let's get it started right out of the gate. The very first backlash was on April 25th, 1999 from the Providence Civic, Providence Civic Center. And just take a listen to what the main event was if you haven't watched it at WWE Network. And just take it all in. Stone Cold Steve Austin against The Rock for the WWF Championship in a no-holds-barred match with Shane McMahon as the guest referee. Leave that other stuff out. Austin versus The Rock. What a way to rewatch Backlash. Let's start right there, Dennis. And it's very entertaining. Uh, Shane hits The Rock with the title belt, uh, but stops counting at two. Vince hits Shane with the smoking skull belt. So, like, (laughs) is Vince a face here? Is he teasing a face term? Like, what's going on there? Uh, The Rock hits Austin with the traditional title. Hebner goes all the way down uh, for a two count. The finish is Austin hitting uh, Rock with the stunner. And then he, with the traditional belt for the pin. And at the very end, Vince gives Austin the Smoking Skull title belt. And he celebrates. And then, I don't know if this counts as part of the main event or not. (laughs) But how the show ends is is something that I don't think any of us will ever forget. (laughs) Yes, it ends with, just to take everybody back, and this is the one I would rewatch if you're going to rewatch a backlash. This is in the midst of The Undertaker being the heelist he's ever been. So it ends with The Undertaker kidnapping Stephanie McMahon. And my favorite line, driver? That's what Stephanie says. And The Undertaker reveals himself to be the driver and turns around and in the creepiest way possible says, where to Stephanie and then she screams and that's how the show goes off the air which looking back all these years later is comical in so many ways because I don't think they ever want to bring up how kind of bad the undertaker was at this point but there's a couple of noticeable things first of all the crowd is loving every freaking thing about this main event I mean think about it this is the height of Steve Austin And this is also the height of The Rock. The Rock's been a heel for a while. He's been the corporate champion. But you could tell, bro, rewatching this thing, the crowd wanted to cheer for The Rock. They they, they just thought he was great. So I think this was the moment where they were about to turn him back into a face. But he's still a heel. They're finishing off their feud from their match at WrestleMania 15. And a lot of this match was a brawl outside the ring. But the crowd freaking—I mean, The Rock could have farted in the ring, and the crowd was going to eat it up. You know, Steve Austin could have just, you know, burped in the middle of the ring— The crowd was going to eat it up. And that's the thing that just really jumped out at me, especially all these years later, man. They loved everything Austin and Rock did during this match. And this is the first one I watched going back and rewatching it. And having spent three months watching wrestling in front of very few people, it's just jarring seeing 10, 15, 20,000 people go absolutely nuts for everything. And watching some of these pay-per-views going back into the 80s and into the 90s, it didn't matter what, it didn't matter really what was happening. It could have been 
Brutus the Barber Beefcake and uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, the crowd was going nuts. It was just a different time. But when you have two of, what, the three best of all time at the peak of their powers feuding against each other, man, it was gold. And and Vince is over too, man, because when Vince came out and knocked down Shane McMahon, that may have been the biggest pop of the night. So they they had manipulated the fans at the time to turning Vince McMahon from the biggest heel in the world. I mean, we're only a few months removed from the height of Austin versus McMahon into Vince being, you know, a guy people want to cheer. They, they, everything about this was great. I mean, the star power is off the charts. Yeah, it's a little hokey with Shane as the referee, and he does that one-two and then the middle finger at Austin. He had done that a few times, I think once at Survivor Series when he first turned heel. But I think it was just awesome. You're right about the crowds, and you're going to see that throughout every match you watch. It's it's refreshing to see an excited crowd. But you're talking about Austin, Rock, Shane, Stephanie, and even weird Undertaker at the end. I mean, you have some legends out there. And this may have been my most enjoyable to watch. It brought me back to my childhood watching this one. And not to diverge too much, but this makes me think of something I want to do for a future retrospective. We always talk about the main events or the pay-per-views or the shows or whatever it might be. Something I want to do at some point, and you can tell me this is a bad idea, but we we should watch the Raws leading up to a pay-per-view. Like three or four episodes of Raws <laughs> and really try to get context. Because that's what, like, when I saw Vince getting cheered in 1999, I'm like, what the hell has happened? <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. That's actually not a bad idea. I approve of that because you know what? I do that anyway as we try to kill time <laughs> until sports comes back. All right, let's go to the second backlash. This was April 30th, 2000 from the MCI Center in Washington, D.C., we got more star power. We have The Rock defeating Triple H to become the brand new WWF champion. And Shane McMahon is again the special <laughs> guest referee, Dennis. This was post a disappointing WrestleMania 2000 main event. I don't know too many people that look back on the WrestleMania 2000 main event uh, fondly. Uh, Vince hits The Rock with the title belt but kicks out of Shane's fast count. Rock kicks out of Pat Patterson's fast count. Briscoe and Patterson run down. Austin comes in, and whenever come, Austin comes in uh, from a, an absence, the crowd goes berserk. He hits everyone with headshots with the chair, which, again, was weird to look back on. The finish comes down to Linda McMahon bringing down Earl Hebner. Who, uh, Linda then pushes down Stephanie. Rock hits a spinebuster, people's elbow. Hebner counts the one, the two, the three. But that's not all. Another post-backlash main event thing that happens. Stone Cold brings out the destroyed DX Express to the ring and <laughs> celebrates with a beer bash with The Rock. And this is The Rock's first title win as a face. Yeah. Yeah. And look, look, you hit on it. This should have been WrestleMania. The Rock should have become should have become WWF champion at WrestleMania. And it should have been these two guys going one-on-one. They screwed it up by making it a four-way match. That's a story for another day. Uh, there's a lot of brilliance in this match. Let me start with Jim Ross. I got to start with him because this is JR and Jerry Lawler, in my opinion, at their best. I think as time went by, Lawler kind of became old. JR was good, but he lost a step. And there's a line early in this match because Vince McMahon is out there and he's obviously rooting for Triple H and you got Shane as the guest referee. They're, they're basically trying to make it as if there's no way Triple H could lose. And the only thing helping out The Rock is that Stone Cold Steve Austin, who's returning, is going to be in The Rock's corner. And JR says to King at one point, you know what, why don't you just jump up there and kiss Vince McMahon's ass? And it's just, I don't know why. But early in the match, that kind of cracked me up. And the other thing that made me laugh 
is Austin's coming back, and JR whips out this line. There's internet speculation all week that Stone Cold is coming back to screw the rock. And I'm thinking to myself, what? there was no internet speculation that said that. So it's almost like they were trying to play off the internet community at this point in 2000. Nobody thought Austin was coming back to screw the rock. We all thought Austin was coming back to actually give the WWF a little bit of juice because as cool as the rock was, as great as Triple H was as a heel, they miss Austin. Austin was the best. So I thought those kind of things were funny. And you're right, man. When Austin comes out, everybody just goes nuts because they're excited to see him. We haven't seen him in a long time. Remember, he got hurt months earlier and wasn't a part of the main event picture. But it was hokey. I mean, it kind of gave you the similar stuff to a year earlier with Shane as the guest referee, with Stephanie being there, with Vince being there, and then Linda showing up. Clearly, the first two backlashes is all about the McMahons. And it's crazy to think about, like, just the timing of everything. Like, I'm someone who tries to put everything into context. Austin was gone for, what, eight months from SummerSlam yeah. to here? So it's, he's gone for eight months. His main event run was only 98 to, to 2003. So that's five years. He missed basically a year in the middle of it. We're less than two years from Brock Lesnar, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel that way because it's the height of the Austin Rock era. It's just weird to think about all these different things converging. And I think one of the things that WWE Network does well – not perfectly, because they have uh, you know histories written by the winners. Uh, but I like some of those documentaries that they're doing now, where they're breaking down the matches and they're doing uh, maybe not the ruthless aggression one, but like a lot of the the different like match retrospectives that they do uh, really kind of plays into the era, and it's really crazy to think about this moment in time in the WWF. Yeah, and, and look, I, I think I'm being biased when I say this, and I'm sure a lot of people listening think this, even if again we're all saying it because we're biased. When you go back and watch these matches and you watch the crowd and you watch the craziness, it does feel like this is the zenith of the WWF and the WWE. You know, a young rock, Austin, even Triple H, who I know you have your issues with, but even you would admit in this moment, this may be the best of Triple H. And the crowd loves everything, as stupid as it may seem that the McMahons are always involved. I don't know, the announcing is better. Everything about it was better going back and watching this. Well, the other part of it, too, is that this is what we grew up with. Like, you know, we're born in the mid-'80s, so, like, we, you know, we caught the tail end of the Macho Man Hulk Hogan era. But really, you know, we grew up in, you know, Bret Hart era and then the NWO. But this, this is when it was cool to like wrestling. Not only, we didn't have to be in the shadows with our VHS tapes. We could talk about it in high school. And people yep. would come to school the next day and be like, oh, did you see the thing that happened? Did you, did you spend the 25, 30 bucks to watch it? Did you go to somebody's house and watch it? The whole thing. This is like, you know, we would talk about baseball. We talk about hockey. And we talk about the WWF. Damn right. Talk about The Rock becoming the brand new WWF champion like he did at the second backlash. Now, the third backlash, April 29th, 2001, from the All-State Arena in Rosemont, Illinois, is a quote-unquote winner-take-all match. Steve Austin, WWF champion, Triple H, Intercontinental champion, teaming up against the tag team champions of The Undertaker and Kane in a winner-take-all match. See, I don't love the winner-take-all stipulation. You think of uh, uh, Santino Morella and Beth Phoenix versus Kofi and... I forget who his tag partner was, but they lost the belts there. It's happened a few times over the years. I don't like the stipulation because uh, it's weird because the finish of the match is that Undertaker has Triple H pinned. And even like Jim Ross didn't know what the stipulate. He kind of says that Undertaker would have won the Intercontinental title, but 
would you want to win to inter- so Kane would win the WWF title by not being involved with the finish? It's confusing. I don't like it. Uh, so, so Undertaker has H pinned, but the ref doesn't see the tag. Kane big boots Stephanie, but man gives Triple H the sledgehammer. And you know what happens from there? The two man power trip holds all the gold. You know, it's a, it's a it's a great point. So I'm watching this match. I I remember, but not even I remember. I just know based on logic. Austin and Triple H are winning the tag team titles. And I, and I probably knew that at the time. And I couldn't figure out your point, which was what happens <laughs> if The Undertaker pins Triple H or Kane pins Austin? They both take the titles from Triple H and Austin. <laughs> and if you happen to pin Triple H, sucks for you. You get the second of the two titles. The whole thing really didn't make a lot of sense. And, and I never loved at the time the two man power trip. It just it never, it never made sense to me because huh. Austin shouldn't have been a heel. They had a blood feud forever. I mean, triple H and Austin had a really good feud, including that three stages of hell match that they had just a few months earlier. So going back and watching it, there's a lot of things I didn't like. I didn't like Austin and triple H being a team. And I didn't like biker taker. I was just one of those guys. I never liked biker taker. The match itself was Okay. I couldn't stop staring at the XFL banner. Did you notice the XFL banner <laughs> yes, hanging from the rafters? Absolutely. That's funny. Yeah, absolutely. I also <laughs> kind of laugh when Earl Hebner pushed Stephanie off the apron. Again, something you would not see in the year 2020. But there's a lot of unfinished business about this. Because as much as I didn't like the two-man power trip, and maybe no one else did, uh, we never got the finish to it because Triple H got hurt. So we never knew where it was going to go. Maybe where it was going to go, bro, would have led to a place where we would have liked the two-man power trip. Well, I got to be honest. I, in retrospect, and listen, the record here knows that I'm not a fan of Triple H, but in retrospect, it's just, it's such a unique pairing. It's such a piece of history that we didn't get a resolution on. It may have only lasted, what, six weeks or so. I don't know. Remember the time frame. But I'm like, this, I wanted more of it. I wanted to see how it played out, and we just didn't get to see it. So, like, would it have ended with H turning face and, and have it be a SummerSlam match? That would have been interesting. There are a lot of ways it could have went, but we didn't get the resolution, so it doesn't feel resolved. But looking back at it, I was like, you know what? I want a little bit more of this two-man power trip. Mm, interesting. Interesting. April 21st, 2002, from the Kemper Arena in Kansas City, Missouri, you're about to see a huge difference in eras right now. We went from Austin, Triple H, The Rock. Now we've got Hulk Hogan defeating Triple H to become the brand spanking new undisputed champion. Hulk Hogan hits a diamond cutter for some reason. What was that all about? They're, they're, going, they're doing a technical wrestling match. They're doing roll-ups. They're doing uh, jackknife pins. Like, what, the, what is happening? Big boot, leg drop, Jericho, come, Jericho comes out, pulls out the referee, hits Hogan in the head with a chair. Again, these headshots are really, they stick with you in retrospect. Triple H hits the pedigree on Hogan. So then the, the biker taker comes out, takes out the referee. Then he hits H with the chair. Hogan takes out the undertaker and then hits Triple H with the leg drop for the pin. So much happening. So much schmazes during it, these last what four pay-per-views but for the last time hollywood hulk hogan wins the ww at the time wwf undisputed championship yeah i guess it was wwf they i think they flipped over to wwe a week later or something um there's, there's a lot of things first of all we got to address the music uh, the fake oh. Jimi hendrix music was awful 
I mean, how much, Vince, how much does it cost to just send the Hendrix family a couple of shekels so you can play the actual music Hulk Hogan went out to that night? Instead, they give us the fake Jimi Hendrix music. It drives me nuts every time I see it. The, the only It's funny you say that. The only one that doesn't bother me is the Hendrix one. Because I remember back in the day, I'm reading the dirt sheets, and I remember it was like 250 grand or 500 grand, whatever it was in like 1996, 7, whatever. And it's like, oh, that's an insane amount of money. So I can understand that one, but the DDP, the Jericho, all the other ones, those drive me nuts. Yeah. Yeah. They all drive me nuts. <laughs> I got to be honest <laughs> with you. They all, they all drive me nuts. The match was way too long. You know, if you're going to have Hulk Hogan in a, in a top position, obviously they loved what happened at WrestleMania, the reaction he got. They needed to be smarter with how long these matches went. There was just so much wrestling, like you pointed out. And then it's almost as if they wanted to get the belt on Hogan, but they didn't want not Triple H to look bad, but really anybody to look bad by losing the Hulk Hogan. Because I think they were almost acknowledging, yeah, he's really old. Yeah, he's, you know, he's not the Hulk Hogan he used to be. So instead, you got Jericho coming out. You got The Undertaker coming out. The Undertaker part annoyed me the most, actually, because Hogan is looking so bad at this point. He hulks up. He misses the leg drop. Triple H gets a pedigree. And now The Undertaker comes out to not just interfere, but save the three count. That ticked me off. But then Hogan's got to look somewhat good by even after The Undertaker helps him, Hogan's got to turn on The Undertaker. But, oh, wait, I'll still get the leg drop. I'll still do the leg drop because I got to get the three. And so Hogan wins the title in the weakest, weakest possible way. And then my favorite part of the match is the handshake. I love this thing because... Hogan looks at a just completely bloody Triple H. I mean, there's blood <laughs> everywhere. And Triple H is convulsing. He is shaking as he decides, should I shake the hand of Hulk Hogan? And I'm thinking to myself, and I'm no Triple H guy either. I'll defend him against you. But Triple H should not shake Hulk Hogan's hand. He should be pissed off that the Undisputed Championship was completely stolen from him. And I would think, you know what, Hokey, you son of a bitch, you probably had Undertaker do this for you. You probably gave him some shekels on the side. So I wouldn't have shook his hand if I was Triple H. Ah, uh, stupid Triple H. <laughs> I'm defending him. I mean, come on, the guy got screwed. This was, let's be fair, this was a brutal match. There was nothing redeeming about this match. Is no, that fair to say? And it's a 22-minute match to your point where I feel, well, I guess we do this more off-air than on-air, but when we talk about the two main events of WrestleMania 36 lasting a total of seven minutes, that's a little ridiculous. Like, a three-minute match for a main event is not enough. But you don't have to have a 22-minute classic if you don't have guys that can do 22-minute classics. It's Hulk Hogan. Let him go out there. Let him do his thing. If it's a 13-minute match, that's probably, you know, in the range or on the high end of the range. 22 minutes didn't need to happen. And, you know, again, Jericho looks like a chump. And they, they you could tell that they, you know, they soured on him at this point and the whole thing. And uh, Biker Takers, you know, if it's the one who take the belt off Hogan, what, two months later. Uh, a lot happening. But I think the other thing to realize at this point with these first four backlash is backlash. I is that there is so much talent at the top of the card that it's, it's, it's mind boggling. It's a true golden era of the company. And you want to talk about star power. Let's get to the next one. April 27, 2003 from Worcester, Massachusetts. The Worcester Centrum is the name of the arena. It's a non-title match. We don't have titles involved. You don't need them involved because it's Bill Goldberg making his, 
I think this was his first official match in the WWE. Bill Goldberg defeats The Rock. The, the Goldberg got Goldberg the Goldberg Goldberg got no reaction. Looking at the crowd, the crowd <laughs> wasn't into it. They just really weren't. The Rock did everything possible to get Goldberg over, and I want to get your take to see if The Rock overdid it. And he overdoes it uh, so much so that it's hard to not appreciate him as a heel. Uh, Goldberg hits The Rock with an awful rock bottom. The Rock leads Goldberg into a, a post where to get some offense. Spinebuster, rock bottom, spinebuster, people's elbow for a near fall, doesn't get it. Two spears, jackhammer, a pin in 13.03. All right. So I think that The Rock came from a good place. I do I, think I that he's trying to get Bill Goldberg over, but he is so hilarious as a heel. <laughs> He is so amazing as a heel that it backfired, that the crowd wanted to cheer for The Rock. I think it comes down as simple as that. The crowd did not want to boo The Rock. And Goldberg, especially to the crowd of Worcester, Massachusetts, think about where this event is. This is Northeast. This is where Mick Foley won the WWF championship. This is not WCW country. And I don't know if they how far in advance they plan locations for pay-per-views, but what I would have done if I knew Goldberg was coming is this event would have been from Atlanta, Georgia. You know, you want to get Bill Goldberg over, you want to have a better chance of having the crowd eat up Bill Goldberg's first big moment, really, in the WWF. That's what you got to do. You can't have it in Wooster. So I think that the combination of The Rock being just such an amazing heel and the fact that you are in prime old-school WWE, WWF country, I think completely backfired. And I'll tell you something else, because re-watching this match, I really didn't remember much of the match. I remember that Goldberg won. I remember that they fought. I didn't remember much of the match. Here's how I would have rebooked it, okay, besides Atlanta, besides everything I just laid out. I would have had Goldberg squash him. I'm serious. I, I think that you needed, for those that didn't remember Goldberg and those WWE fans, you needed it to be really quick and dominant, and it wasn't. It was a f okay match, and yeah, Goldberg beat him clean and all that, but if you remember Goldberg in WCW, he destroyed people, and The Rock's leaving anyway. He wants to get his guy over. I think at the time, they thought there was going to be a rematch. They thought that maybe they would fight again at the next WrestleMania. Obviously, that didn't happen, but if that was a possibility, I would have had Goldberg squash him. And I think that would have done wonders for really getting the crowd in, uh, on Goldberg's side. What do you think of that? Especially considering the, that The Rock had – does The Rock – when does The Rock come back here? He comes back for the following year's WrestleMania in the tag match, The Rock and Sock Connection. So, so there was nothing in between. So this is pretty much his last match as an active wrestler? Pretty much. He's done. Yeah, this yeah. is like his last real match. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I can't argue at that point, then, especially knowing that there was really nothing in between. I, and I think that that's part of the WWE's mistakes with Goldberg. They needed to book him like this monster, the guy that dominates. And what a better way to show his domination than beating The Rock in two and a half minutes. And, it's and he's also, The Rock. It wouldn't have affected him that much. And it's also hard to, you know, 
bring in the guy as a superhero when you spent, what, four years trashing him on your television show? It's like, oh, Goldberg, trash, trash, trash. Oh, now he's the the the, the, the music and the, the pyro and the whole thing. Like, it's it's disingenuous. And it's like, you know, the, the WWF audience kind of, you know, for, for all the, the you know, pluses and negatives with it, you know, they, they can smell, you know, nonsense when it's there. So they, they, they did not buy. When Goldberg music hit, and the crowd wasn't into it. I'm like, oh, no, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> yes, right out of the gate. Uh, let's go to April 18th, 2004 from the Rexall Place in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We have ourselves an old-fashioned WrestleMania rematch. Chris Benoit once again defeats Triple H and Shawn Michaels in a triple threat match. He now retains his World Heavyweight Championship. This gets 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 12 seconds, and... Uh, to your point, you know, the, this was in Edmonton, and you wonder how far that was booked out. Was it purposely done to do that? Um, this was, for, for you know, for this is always tough to watch, you know, this dude do his thing, but this is particularly tough to watch. So I guess I'll just say um, countering the sharpshooter into uh, the sweet chin music into the sharpshooter for the, for the tap, and the crowd in Canada, seven years, um, six and a half years after. Uh, the Montreal Screwjob, they were not into HBK at all. <laughs> no, and you you knew that going in. Um, yeah, they, this was this was very awkward at the end because they, they show Chris's family, and I think that's the part where it's just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's very, very tough to watch. As far as the wrestling match is concerned, this was all about, and I remember it at the time, and you're going to see a pattern here. I told you, backlash is about patterns. This is all about showing the audience that what happened at WrestleMania was legitimate. And that's what Jim Ross was really trying to get over throughout this match. Like, is Chris Benoit for real? Can he do it again? And having Sean tap out was the right move. I mean, think about it. He gets Triple H to tap out at WrestleMania. Now he's got Shawn Michaels giving up. And what's crazy about that sharpshooter that you mentioned I mean, think about that. Chris Benoit gets Shawn Michaels to tap out in the sharpshooter in Canada. So clearly they were really trying to get him over in the most amazing way possible. Dude, he was in that sharpshooter for five minutes. It was a while, yeah. It was a long, long time. But this was a, there's no denying it. Wrestling-wise, it was a great match. Uh, was it as good as the WrestleMania match? I don't know. It, it's tough to... It's tough to be as good as that one. That may have been one of the best triple threat matches of all time, but I think their goal was we got to have Chris Benoit win again. We've got to show that this is legitimate. And that was what I got from JR during this. They're continuing to try to remind you that this is about proving Benoit is legit by defeating these guys again. But overall, it was, a like you said, a 30-minute match. It was, it was a hell of a match. It's tough to get on it from a, from a wrestling standpoint. Yeah. Let's go to May 1st, 2005. So it's, you know, it's, it's still really April. It's May 1st, 2005. From the Verizon Wireless Arena in Manchester, New Hampshire, Batista defeats Triple H, retains the world title, another WrestleMania rematch. And the, the Verizon Wireless Arena in Manchester, it's a very nice building. I saw John Mayer there a couple of times. And it's, but why are they doing these post-WrestleMania uh, pay-per-views at these super small random towns. Like, I, I don't understand that at all. Triple H hits uh, counters but the Batista bomb with a headshot with the title belt, which was not executed perfectly, uh, but it's almost a near fall with distraction from Ric Flair. Batista knocks out the ref. Uh, he gets put in the pedigree for a near fall. 
Triple H low-blows Batista, has him in the corner. One, two, three, four, five, six. Batista lifts him up. Batista bomb, one and two and three. Did you like the fact that they were really trying to sell that the the thing Batista fears is the pedigree? Like, they were going on this whole thing. Triple H is kind of pushing this match was, Dave knows he can't kick out of the pedigree. It was just really weird. I mean, it's basic, but it was weird that that's like the big thing they were pushing. That, you know, Triple H's finishing move is so dominant that this muscle-bound freak can't break out of it. It was well, it was protected pretty well. I it really I can't think of too many guys that kicked out of the pedigree at this point. No, I, I'm not look, you're right. I'm not really making fun of the move. I guess I'm making fun of this is big part of the build. You know, that the yeah. big part of the build was the finishing move. I I got to tell you I thought this match sucked. It was really really lousy. It wasn't as good as the WrestleMania match. And it was all about exactly what they did a year before, about proving Batista is for real. We all knew Batista was not losing to Triple H after beating him a year earlier, uh, a month earlier, one of the greatest storyline builds you'll ever see. And they just dragged this out forever. And I guess you give Triple H credit because he kept putting Batista over. He put him over three straight pay-per-views. I think the next one was a hell in a cell. So great. Kudos to Triple H. But I got to tell you, overall, this was not a great wrestling match. It was it was sloppy. The, 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 the Batista bomb and H hitting him with the title belt. But he hits him with the side of the t- It was not a good uh, belt shot there. Flair was, it was just sloppy. It, it, the, everyone, like when The Rock put, did everything to put uh, Goldberg over, it was over the top, but it was done well. This was, we're doing everything to put Dave over, but it was not done well. And it didn't do Batista any favors, I don't think, even though we still got over and he had a great run. And really, eventually, over the next couple of years, really turned into a, very, very high-quality main eventer, uh, but this was not the match to uh, put him over after WrestleMania. Totally agree. April 30th, 2006, from Rupp Arena in Lexington, Kentucky. We got ourselves a triple threat match. John Cena is going to retain the championship against Triple H and Edge. And I should point out, these last three have all been Raw-exclusive pay-per-views. So we're getting backlash to WrestleMania, but it's only from the Raw brand. Cena defeats Triple H and Edge in a triple threat match, retains the title. Including this one as well. It's a 17-minute match, which is a good amount of time. Edge watched Cena and Triple H fight at the very beginning of the match, which I always love. I love when the heel is being the heel. Uh, Cena does a diving uh, splash from the top rope, which I think was the start of him doing top rope moves. Uh, Edge really busts over open Triple H, which was tough to watch. H hits Cena with the microphone while Cena had Edge in the STFU. Lita tries to hit H with a chair, but she gets double A spine busted. The finish comes when Triple H hits a low blow on Cena with Edge set up for the uh, for the uh, attitude adjustment. Cena counters the pedigree into a roll up, and then God forbid H loses a match without getting his heat back. Hits everyone with a sledgehammer, and they start to tease the DX reunion, which happened that summer. Dude, this this ending sucked. Oh, the worst. <laughs> This is this is the height of us not appreciating Triple H. I mean, look, the match is fine. I mean, it was fine. It was an okay match. Triple threat. The match made sense. Remember, Cena had just fought Triple H at WrestleMania. Cena had just had a feud with Edge. All of it made sense. It was a fine match. Great. Why does the show need to end with Triple H who <laughs> lost his music playing? 
Think about it. The show ends with Triple H's music playing because he just destroys both John Cena and Edge after he loses. And so, yeah, the show ends with Triple H doing his pose and his music going off. The son of a bitch lost the match. He's not even the face in this whole thing. It, it, I don't understand it. And, and, and kayfabe, why is the technical crew putting up with this? They should be in shocked awe of H just attacking his competitors after a match. They shouldn't be there uh, lining up the musical cue. In in the fake story, like, I just want someone to be like, what do you do? Come on, man. I, I, I so hated this. And I thought of you when I saw it because I'm like, oh, my God, Dennis is going to be pissed off that triple h gets to get gets to basically walk out the winner even though he lost the match do you remember what i texted you like two weeks ago watching back all these backlash i is whatever what'd you say i said the reason that backlash ended in 2009 was that triple h couldn't main event it anymore so he didn't (laughs) want to exist so i'm just like i feel like i feel like all these retrospectives are you making me watch hours upon hours of triple h matches and i am a masochist so i take it Oh, man. No, yes, you're right. Well, now we're no longer Raw exclusive. Now they've melted all the brands together for the April 29th, 2007 backlash from the Phillips Arena in Atlanta, Georgia. We got ourselves a four-way match. John Cena. Hello, John. He's going to retain the WWE title again. He will defeat Randy Orton, Edge, and Shawn Michaels. I normally do not like four-way matches, but I enjoyed this HBK with the moonsault outside the ring. Cena I, with the top row Famouser. Again, this is starting when that starts to happen. Edge and Orton doing a double Boston Crab on HBK. The finish comes where Edge spears Orton. Then Cena double A's Edge. Then HBK kicks Cena, who is passed out, but somehow falls on Orton <laughs> for the pin. And HBK, oh man, he sold it at the end. I can't deny the fact that the ending of this match was awesome. Oh, well, and there's, there's just no denying it. And, and you did a great job of describing it. Basically, it's an orgy of finishers. That, that's really what it came down to. Like, everybody's hitting their finisher to the point where Shawn Michaels super kicks John Cena into falling on top of Edge <laughs> to get the victory. No, it was it was great. But, but I, I got to start. When I go back and watch these matches, I don't just start with the bell ringing. I start with the hype video. Big fan of the hype video. I don't know if you saw this, but the hype video for this four-way match is the worst, most pathetic hype video I've ever seen. I thought I was watching TNA. That's how bad it was. The music in the hype video was straight out of TNA, and it was very, very disappointing because... John Cena, Randy Orton, Edge, Shawn Michaels. Oh, my God. This is going to be a tremendous, tremendous open. And I got this dud of an open. But, hey, I'll give him credit. The finish was great. Cena retains. What else is new? Uh, very, very entertaining four-way match. And if I'm not mistaken, the other title match they could have gone with as the main event, even though I didn't rewatch it, was Undertaker against Batista. How about that? Oh, uh, Undertaker. You, you, listen, we, we can't say enough good things about Undertaker, Batista. Yeah, it's great. We love it. We love it. Absolutely. Well, it's one of those things where, again, I again, I normally don't like a four way match, but and I also don't love when it's a finisher parade. But it worked for me here. And you know, these four guys, you could make a case. Listen, I'm not saying they are the five best of all time, but if you came up with a list and you had these guys in your top five, I can't argue with that. Like these are some of the best of all time, and not guys that you really think working with each other all the time. Certainly, you know, Cena and Norton, but like you know. Add Edge and Michaels to the mix. It's a weird 
time period and a weird kind of era because Orton, again, you know, is going to get the the title belt for the first time in the fall where he gets awarded it and then wins it again the same night. Uh, So he's not quite Orton yet. Edge is not quite Edge yet. Obviously, Cena and Michaels are being established, but even Cena's being established. So you have Cena, Orton, and Edge on the rise. You have Michaels being one of the best of all time. And they're just in this hodgepodge match, all having issues with one another. And that's not something you see a lot now with the product and any product where, you know, there's multiple issues happening at the same time. It coalesced very well. And like I was saying before, it's hard to watch some of these matches without context. And I was in the the context for this match, knowing what was going on. It was, this was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, very good. April 27, 2008, from the first Mariner Arena in Baltimore, Maryland. What else is new? It's another four-way match. Triple H is going to defeat John Cena, Randy Orton, and JBL to become the brand-new WWE champion. Orton came in as champion, so that's who the champion was. Triple H becomes the new champion. I don't like elimination matches. Uh, It's not my deal. Cena eliminates JBL via submission at about the 10-minute mark. Ten seconds later, Orton uh, pins Cena via punt kick. Uh, Triple H pins Orton with the pedigree almost 20 minutes later. The heels in this match were Orton and JBL and pretty much Cena. The crowd was not into him at all, and they were pretty much loving everything that H did. Uh, it's one of those things that I'm like, I like, what, reading this on paper, I'm like, why did H get the belt in tw- uh, 2008? Hearing the crowd reaction, it's hard to argue with it. Yeah, no, I mean, look, he's he's over. There's no doubt. This was the height, if I'm not mistaken, of Triple H's face run, which Randy Orton's become like the sick, perverted, I want to kick everybody in the head guy. Um, it felt like JBL didn't belong in this match, personally. Cena, Orton, Triple H, I get Felt like JBL was just kind of thrown in there because, like you said, it was an elimination match and they needed somebody to eliminate early on. Uh, It was okay. I I think at this point, and I'm biased here, we have now watched over and over again triple threat matches, four-way matches, elimination matches. I'm just jonesing for a singles match. And we finally got that at the very next backlash. In fact, this is going to be the final backlash for seven years. And that is April 26, 2009, from the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence. Edge defeats John Cena, becomes the new heavyweight champion, new world champion, in a last-man-standing match. Which, again, goes almost 30 minutes. Uh, somehow, the steel stairs ended up in the ring. And one of my favorite spots is that one of the, it's one of the memes is that Cena can't lift the, the steel stairs because they're, because they're so heavy. Every time, it's just like, ah, oh, this is the heaviest thing that's ever existed. So Cena's in the ring with the stairs over his head, and he throws the stairs outside of the ring and hits Edge with them. Oh, what a great spot. Love it. Uh, the super double uh, A for, uh, the, from the second rope. Love it. Spear out of midair. Not a great spear, but a great spot. Uh, the, the AA into the front row behind the announce table. That was phenomenal. They fight through the concourse. That was a lot of fun. The concerto on the stage. Awesome. You love it. And then the finish <laughs> where my, uh-huh. my, my spiritual brother, the big show, uh, chokes Lancina into the spotlight for the, the last man standing 10 count. The spot was pretty freaking cool. The way to end that match, pretty freaking awful. That is very, very well said. Very well said, because there's no doubt if you're going to go back and watch this match and you want to see the ending, it's a great spot. I mean, if you want to have that spot to end the match between just the two of them, 
I'd have been in favor of it. If you want to have edge and you want to have edge go over clean, which maybe they don't want to do at this point. But if you want to have edge spear John Cena into that giant light, but to have the big show who even at this point in 2008 or 2009, I should say, you don't care about. You don't care about the big show and you certainly don't care about big show John Cena. We've seen that match 500 times. They fought at WrestleMania 20. They opened up the card. It was just a dud way to end it. It sucked, and I, and it doesn't make Edge look good. You no. know, it doesn't make him look good at all. So it was a really entertaining last man standing match. And I, and I got to tell you, when I rewatched it, I forgot how it ended. I didn't even know who was going to win. That's how, I, how much I remembered about it. I, I didn't remember anything about it. So I'm kind of watching it as if I'm seeing it for the first time. And I, I threw my remote down when I saw the big show show up. And I'm like, come on, really? This is what we're doing I don't have any interest in John Cena and Big Show feud that followed. Who cares? So, very good match ruined by a bad ending. And maybe that's why the WWE decided that's it. No more backlashes for seven years. <laughs> the, big, the Big Show ruins everything. <laughs> he did. Although his sitcom on, the, uh, on, the, on Netflix, not even on the network, it, it's pretty cheesy if you like uh, TJF from the 90s. Uh, good, good job, Big Show. Heck of a job. I'm kind of curious about it. I must admit, I'm curious to check out the Big Show show on Netflix. Hey, right now, I'm I'm all over Riverdale, though. I'm kind of distracted by that. I've been listening to this show, and uh, listen, you know, I'm all about the uh, the John Sterling calls. Not there for the uh, the Riverdale, I'm sorry. (laughs) Come on, I barely (laughs) talked about Riverdale, just that I love it, that's all. Although hearing Beningo be like, Riverdale, bro, what's going on with, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, what's the guy, uh, 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 Jughead? I don't, I don't watch uh, I don't <laughs> Jughead, yeah. But hearing Beningo talk about it, I'm like, oh, it makes me laugh so Wait, much. Wait, it is a guy named Jughead. <laughs> oh, let me see. All right, let's get to the more recent backlashes. They brought it back on September 11th, 2016. On September 11th, 2016, they brought it back. The only reason I'm laughing is because that was the day my son was born. And I'm trying to remember if... I actually watched it. I don't think I did. I was in the hospital that day. But I, eventually, I'm sure I watched it. It I, was I from the Richmond. What was that? I didn't send you the stream of it? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, from the Richmond Coliseum, AJ Styles is going to become the WWE champion. It's his first time he's going to defeat Dean Ambrose. I think at the time it was the, and maybe it still is, the world, the WWE World Championship. It was the combined title they had just brought back. A few weeks earlier, a second title, and that's when they debuted the um, the Universal title at SummerSlam. So AJ Styles defeats Dean Ambrose, becomes the brand new WWE champion. I didn't realize I was just saying that that was a, a heck of a day being up at uh, Dutchess Stadium, uh, watching some baseball, and hearing you go like, "Oh, I gotta go, I gotta go do some real life things happening." It's uh, <laughs> so crazy. You think of AJ Styles; he debuted at the 2016 Royal Rumble. He ends up with the feud with Jericho. Why well, 2 AJ? I still need one of those T-shirts. He loses to Jericho at WrestleMania, beats Cena in a great match at SummerSlam. So he has all the momentum in the world. He's got the Cena headband, or he's got the Cena wristband over his head. So Cena's arms are as big as AJ Styles' head, apparently. Uh, AJ uh, is, has all the momentum in the world. He gets announced as the face that runs the place. He reverses the de- the dirty deeds into a. Uh, ref bump, low blow, Styles clash, pin. Uh, and listen, he, he from debut to winning the title, it was not even nine months. Really just a really incredible run. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was a really good match. First of all, going back and watching it, it was a really, really good match. I, 
I was surprised that this was the moment they decided to take the belt off Dean Ambrose. You know, Dean won the title. I'm trying to remember. I think it was from Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins. I think it was kind of the combo of both, and he Money, cashed in. Money in the Bank. So uh, Reigns lost clean to Seth Rollins, and then uh, Ambrose cashed in. That's right. That's when Roman Reigns was busted for PEDs. That's why I think they did it, by and, the way. And the Shield, every member of the Shield held the belt uh, within a 10-minute period, which is yeah. a pretty fun, fun fact. That, that is a fun fact, yes. Um, I was just surprised that this was the moment. I, I didn't think that. I didn't think it, not that I watched this live, obviously, but I remember after SummerSlam, because Dean had a feud with D, uh, Dolph Ziggler, if I'm not mistaken, at SummerSlam. Mm -hmm. I just... And I love AJ, and, I, and AJ was certainly over. I mean, AJ had a good feud with Roman Reigns. You mentioned the feud with John Cena. Like, he was certainly inevitably going to become a champion. But I remember being kind of surprised that they had the title switch when they did, and it was a really good run for AJ Styles. He ended up losing it to John Cena, which was a waste, just so John Cena could have one more title reign. And then he had the other long title reign. But really good match, really good ending, very, very solid to bring Backlash back after seven years. And like you said, SmackDown exclusive. So for all those years, it was Raw exclusive. Now it's SmackDown exclusive. But then they have Backlash in May of 2017. So think yes. about it. Like eight months later, they say, hey, let's do Backlash again. And it was May 21st, 2017 from the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois. And oh God, I can't even believe I'm oh, saying Oh, I love this. it. Say it. Say it. Don't hinder. Do not hinder. Jinder Mahal defeats Randy Orton to become the brand new WWE champion. This was disgusting. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Chicago was the perfect place for this. The fine people of Chicago loved the entrance of, of Jinder Mahal. They, they, the, I, I also loved when during this whole run, Jinder and the Sings always matched the tights to the shirts. They, I love matching colors. When tag teams don't match colors, it drives me nuts. They, they, <laughs> They teased a quick match, early, a quick end of the match early with the RKO. You got the let's go Ginger. Ginger sucks. Uh, Ginger sends Randy into the ring post, gets some offense. RK out of nowhere, but the Singh brothers saved Ginger Mahal from the pinfall. Randy takes out the Singh brothers, including throwing one of them into a table in a very disgusting bump, but he ended up being okay. The Colossus from behind for the one, two, three, and Ginger celebrates. In every square inch of the Allstate Arena, the crowd is both stunned and loving it. And three years later, man, I, I love it so much. I love when they do something different. I love heel gender. I am a big fan of this. And I am going to go find my uh, Maharaja, uh, the modern-day Maharaja T-shirt from my closet. And I'm going to wear it the next time I see you four months from now. Look, I, there's a few things I have. The, the few problems I have is, number one, I didn't like what they did with the WWE title in general, okay? They give it to AJ, which we had talked about, but then they give it to John Cena, and then they give it to Bray Wyatt, and then they give it to Randy Orton, and then they give it to a guy who I'm not ripping in terms of what he could have been. I'm ripping the idea that he went from a jobber and within a month and a half is the WWE champion. I had the same problem with JBL. I just thought the build, there was no build. It was like, hey, guess what? Jinder's the new WWE champion. And I didn't like Randy Orton as champion either, by the way. So rewatching this match was just painful in all regards. I didn't think it was entertaining. And I found myself not caring. And you hate to do that during a WWE title match. So I had a lot of issues with it. But speaking of not caring, Backlash is about to get, I wouldn't say worse, but mediocre. 
The following May, May 6, 2018, from The Rock, the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey, they give us Roman Reigns, Samoa Joe. No title involved. Roman Reigns against Samoa Joe. I think I did a uh, instant reaction to that, which you can check the archives of, from May 6, 2018. And it sucked then, and it sucked now rewatching it. I didn't care about Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe. I haven't heard a CM Punk chant in quite a while. Uh, but they were going on in Jersey that night. This is boring. <laughs> the crowd was not into this at all. From the start, they weren't into Roman Reigns. And they were into Joe. But it was not... It wasn't hard hitting. It wasn't. It just was nothing there. Uh, there was the unagi, the the rock bottom into the table before the match. Joe is in control for so much of it, uh, but there's a pinfall uh, after a top rope move, roll over into a spear. Um, yeah, it, it, there's not a lot to defend. I think Roman Reigns is better than he gets credit for. I think Samoa Joe is great, although he hasn't had a great main event run. Or really, his main event run really never happened in the WWE. Um, it's not a lot to defend. I wanted to get into it, but the crowd wasn't behind it. I wasn't behind it. And uh, it was a tough way to, to end this rewatch. Why did they skip it in 2019 and now bring it back in 2020? It Why feels like they don't know what they're doing with Backlash. I, I think they don't know what they're doing with a lot of things, Evan. Like, let's <laughs> why, why just single out this? Um, well, why is it, why is it the backlash of, uh, money in the bank? What, what are they backlashing from? Why is the greatest match ever going to think when, when edge is outwardly out there saying, I don't know why they're promoting it as the greatest match ever. I'm having the greatest cup of coffee ever. Like, like the only way, and I don't want to, you know, get too off the rails, but I'm getting off the rails. I feel I'm going to go with it. But if, unless this men's match ends in under a minute with a spear or an RKO, then I, I don't understand it. Like the only way you pay off promoting the best, the greatest match ever for a month is having a match end with a finisher in 30 seconds. That is the only way to pay that off. And if they don't do that, I'm going to be furious. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I have to admit, I have no idea what they are trying to accomplish with the greatest match, match ever moniker. And I assume it's the main event. I assume it should be the main event should close the show. And if that's the case, I'll give them credit for this, okay? It is backlash to WrestleMania because they did fight at WrestleMania. So you do have that going for it. That's, that's the only thing, yeah. And this is, I, I think that uh, I'm looking forward to Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley. I think Lashley has so much talent. I hope they do something with them. But other than that, uh, there's not too much I'm excited for. Um, so I'll be watching, um, but eh, it is what it is. Well, thank you very much for participating. We went back and rewatched all the Backlash main events. My favorite, by the way, is probably the original. Just seeing Austin and The Rock in the ring together, it's special. It's, it's something we're obviously never going to see again. And when you really think about it, we didn't see it that often. We usually saw it at a big match at WrestleMania or a big moment like the closing of the, the Survivor Series winner-take-all match. So seeing Austin Rock right out of the gate was kind of cool. But great job, as always. You could follow Dennis at DHAP Show. And certainly download his podcast. Dennis has a podcast. He is also the official retrospectiver of the Evan Roberts podcast. Dennis, I appreciate it, man. Always good to do it, man. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 